If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. You may not always agree with our point of view, a spiritual and biblical viewpoint. Even if you don't agree with or understand it, you will be challenged, informed, and hopefully inspired to do research to know more. You should want to know more to come to your own conclusions. Overwatch was created to take reflections in the dark to the next level. Reflections in the dark was a boots-on-the-ground point of view. Overwatch is a view from above, a point of view with a distinctive spiritual and at times biblical mindset. You may not see that or agree with it. We simply ask that you keep an open mind. We take our spiritual, supernatural viewpoint of current events, politics, finance, cyber security and trends, prophecy in the end times, religion and the paranormal, and offer it to you for your consideration. Do your own research. Do not be ignorant or caught off guard. I've been sharing information about the coronavirus and its dangers from day one here on SRT Overwatch. It's real and does great harm to anyone with a compromised or weakened immune system. America's unhealthy lifestyle has finally caught up with us. Do you know what else is dangerous? The hype, misinformation, and downright lies being used to create fear and panic. A fear and panic that is crashing economies worldwide while reshaping our society. We are in the middle of a societal reset. Many of the death toll numbers are inflated and deceiving. It doesn't matter what the real cause of death is. If COVID-19 is suspected, it's attributed to COVID-19. Italy has already been caught mislabeling the cause of death and been exposed by grieving family members. Why would they do that? Well, Italy's socialized medical system is broke, and it needs the EU funds flowing toward them during this pandemic. Now, New York City is being accused of exaggerating the number of real COVID-19 deaths. Why would they do that? Why did Governor Cuomo lie about having ventilators in storage? Why are millions of N95 masks suddenly being found in the possession of certain groups like SEIU and others as soon as the Department of Justice indicated prosecution for hoarding and price gouging? China's numbers and information are just the opposite. 
They're hiding how many died in Wuhan and the surrounding areas. Why are tens of thousands of urns being picked up from crematoriums that are working around the clock? Why have 20 million people fallen off their cell phone rolls in the last three months when cell phones are a mandatory item in China's surveillance society? Why are more scientists and experts coming forward to claim that the coronavirus behind COVID-19 is man-made and stitched together in a lab? Is there a hidden agenda going on during this already upsetting time? Why are population control and vaccine promoters at the forefront of the media response to this outbreak? Questions bring more questions. What was the real reason China withheld the truth about the outbreak for a month before telling the world? They knew that they were allowing 5 million possibly infected people out of Wuhan to travel to various parts of the world. They had to know that the trail would trace back to them, but allowed it anyway. Why? Why did the World Health Organization disregard Taiwan's doctors, warning them that the virus was airborne while downplaying the dangers in December and covering for communist China? The truth could have completely prevented this pandemic. Is it possible China didn't want to prevent it? Does China have an endgame in mind? Well, it brings to mind a Warner Brothers cartoon called Animaniacs. We watched it when it first came on when our sons were young, and we now watch it with our grandson. Well, on the show, there's characters known as Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, and the other insane. Well, after the scientist who worked on them to enhance Brain's mouse mind, Pinky would ask a question. Excuse me, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Is that the everyday question in communist China? It would seem so. Decide for yourself. Overwatch will begin to examine these questions. Stay tuned as we tie things together. Think for yourself. We'll be right back to answer some of those questions. Hello, I'm Richard Grund. You know, we're being encouraged to keep a safe distance and stay at home for our own safety, washing our hands, being proactive against infection, and I get that. It's important. What no one seems to be promoting is building your immune system to give it the ability to withstand this and any virus. People that are the most at risk are the ones with compromised immune system. And that doesn't just mean underlying medical issues. That means unhealthy, weak bodies. We should be working hard at building strong immune systems, eating right, taking the right quality supplements, exercise, and get some sunshine. God gave us this amazing body, and we should be taking better care of it. If you need help with that, look no further than my son, Jesse Grund, certified strength coach and mobility expert. His company, Unconventional Strength, at unconstrength.com, U-N-C-O-N-S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H.com. He's also on Facebook and Instagram. You will get knowledgeable, quality information and be supporting a small business owner. Workouts and nutritional information you can apply wherever you are. You may say, I can't afford to, but can you afford not to? It's your body, your health. It's an investment in yourself. Fireful Talk Radio. Enlighten. Inspire. Encourage. Exposing what needs to be exposed. Explaining what needs to be known. And welcome back. We're in a season of change. A season of chaos. 
Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us that everything has its time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Well, at the beginning of last year, the Lord spoke to me and said, Out of chaos will come order. I didn't know what he meant, but I'm beginning to see it play out right now. While things seem to be out of order, there are two sides that are bringing order to their vision in the world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. We know from Isaiah 32.7 that the schemes of the schemer are evil. 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us that Satan, Hasatan, the adversary, will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. We are seeing these spiritual concepts in effect in our society today. We're seeing things that make no sense to the natural mind, but make plenty of sense when you pull it through a spiritual filter. Right now, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. This pandemic and the ensuing mess brings new meaning to the term made in China. Well, here's what we know so far about COVID-19. It's a protein with a protective outer shell that will die in a specific time frame or when the protective outer shell is broken. That's why they tell you to wash your hands for 30 seconds. And if you don't have a clock, you just sing happy birthday to yourself. The virus is a very tiny particle of RNA or DNA genetic code. This particular one is RNA code and is protected by the outer protein wrapper. Viruses are everywhere, including in and us. Of the millions of types of viruses, only a few hundred are known to harm humans. New viruses emerge all the time. Most are harmless. The virus particles insert themselves into living cells in order to multiply, infect other cells and other hosts. It acts like a parasite. They hijack the living cell's mechanism and force it to replicate another infected cell. When the cell is hijacked, the virus sends out hundreds or thousands of copies of itself to hijack other hosts. It often kills the hijacked cell as a result and possibly even its host. There are seven coronaviruses that have human-to-human -human transmission. Four generate a mild cold. But three of them can be deadly, including the viruses that cause SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, and MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, and now the new coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 is different in four critical ways. First, many of the infected people have no symptoms for days, possibly weeks, so they unknowingly infect others. And because of that, we don't know who to isolate. SARS-CoV-2 is highly infectious. 80% of the time, COVID-19 is a mild disease that feels like a minor cold or cough. COVID-19 is the name of the disease that's been created by this coronavirus. The mild cough, so you don't isolate yourself. You think you have a cold, maybe an allergy or flu, and then you continue to go out and infect others because the symptoms are easily confused with the regular flu. They don't consider other possibilities. Well, they do now. 
Fourth, and most importantly, the virus is very easy to spread from human to human because of the early stages. It's concentrated in the upper throat. The throat's full of viral particles so that when you cough or sneeze, billions of these particles can be expelled and transmitted to another person. Most scientists believe that it kills 1% to 2% of all the people who become infected. But 80% of the time, it's a mild disease. 20% of the cases are more severe. The worst cases reporting high fever or shortness of breath. As a result, some people require hospitalization, intensive care, incubation, they need help breathing, and sometimes it's too late because their lungs are so extensively infected they essentially drown in their own lungs. The seasonal flu and the coronavirus are not as equally dangerous. The seasonal flu typically infects up to 30 million people a year in the U.S., and fewer than one-tenth of one percent of the infected group will die. I mean, that's still a pretty big number. Worldwide, in an average year, a total of 300,000 people die from seasonal flu. But on average, this new coronavirus is 10 to 20 times more deadly in contrast, and we cannot protect ourselves through vaccination. Later on, when I explain to you the origins of this virus, you'll understand why it's more deadly. The coronaviruses, like other disease-causing microorganisms, can linger on common things that people hold. Surfaces, door handles, your cell phones, elevator buttons, ATM buttons, bedside tables, and, you know, in hospitals, anything that the patient would frequently touch. It can stay for nine days on most common surfaces. Nine days. SARS and the MERS-CoV are pretty similar for the most part except for their lethality. You have to be very careful. That's why they don't want us to touch anything. They don't want you to go out. I, I think that's gotten a little ridiculous, but we don't have time for that tonight. Also, they found that low temperatures and high air humidity levels will boost the coronavirus's lifespan. But I will tell you this, it has a specific lifespan. I believe it was engineered to do that. Now, they're saying they've identified eight different strands of the novel coronavirus. Is that a mutation or is that intentional? Overwatch reported early on that the strain in Iran was different than the one that began in Wuhan. So the virus is either adapting and mutating or more than one strand was turned loose. China lied and people died. TheGuardian.com the first COVID-19 case happened in November, China government records show. The earliest case was detected on November 17th, weeks before authorities acknowledged the new virus. The report in the South China Morning Post said Chinese authorities had identified at least 266 people who had contracted the virus last year, 2019, who had come under medical surveillance. And the earliest case traces back to mid-November which of course is weeks before the authorities admitted to it. But that tells me if you can have this from seven days to 24 days, who knows when that first person got infected. The official statements from the Chinese government to the World Health Organization reported that the first confirmed case wasn't until December 8th. Doctors who tries to raise the alarm with colleagues about the new disease in late December were reprimanded, and authorities did not publicly concede that there was human-to-human -human transmission until January 21st. Communist China, through their proxy, the World Health Organization, mouthpiece Director General Tedros Adhaman Ghebreyesus, initially told the world on December 14th that the virus wasn't contagious. Even the CDC repeated the false information that the virus wasn't airborne when scientists and doctors from Taiwan reported to the World Health Organization 
organization in December that it was when they saw doctors in Wuhan getting sick. DailyWire.com. The WHO was warned in December about the coronavirus, Taiwan says, and the organization ignored the warnings. You see, health officials in Taiwan say they warned the World Health Organization in December of 2019 that the virus could be passed via human-to-human contact, but they were ignored. Why? Because China doesn't recognize Taiwan as a separate entity, although Taiwan is autonomous with their own government and voting system. Because of that, the World Health Organization ignores them. The Financial Times reported Taiwan's claim, insisting that the WHO didn't communicate the ease of transmission early enough. They said they didn't know when they did. Now, Guardian.com tells us that Taiwan took aggressive action against the virus by using phone tracking to enforce mandatory quarantine, and they managed to contain the spread of the virus with just 48 confirmed cases of infection to date, including one death. That's despite the fact they're only 80 miles from mainland China, the center of the virus outbreak. Taiwan's government was quick to implement border controls, and it was the first to ban the export of surgical masks. Unlike in 2003, when SARS killed dozens of people in Taiwan after spreading from southern China, Taiwan has access to more advanced technologies this time around, and they're smarter. Why? Because they learned their lesson. What we learned from SARS was that we needed to be very skeptical with the data from China, said Chan Chang Kuang, dean of National Taiwan University. College of Public Health. We learned very harsh lessons then, and that experience is something other countries don't have. Well, because the World Health Organization does not recognize them, they also don't listen to them. They've been blocked from membership, and we paid the price. Breitbart.com reported that the World Health Organization echoed Beijing's response to the novel coronavirus in line with Chinese propaganda, at one point promoting a Chinese claim that there was, quote, no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission. China lied. People died. Meanwhile, the highly contagious disease spiraled out of control inside the communist country. Twitter messages by the World Health Organization from January and February show that the United Nations body, yes, they are connected to the UN, was spreading Chinese propaganda. Communist officials in China had hid the extent of the outbreak during its early stations of the epidemic, jailing and silencing whistleblowers, a move that allowed the virus to gain a firm foothold. The ruling Communist Party, however, has hailed the recent slowdown of the outbreak is a sign of superiority of its authoritarian political system. Eh. Wrong answer. Thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. A study published earlier this month by the University of Southampton determined that China could have prevented 95% of the coronavirus infections plaguing the globe if Beijing had listened to the doctor whistleblowers in Wuhan about the seriousness of the disease instead of silencing and punishing them for speaking out. At critical moments, officials chose to put secrecy in order ahead of openly confronting the growing crisis to avoid public alarm and political embarrassment, the New York Times acknowledged in February. And China has refused to apologize for its mishandling of the outbreak during its initial phase. So why did China lie and let people die? Well, here's what I think. Just my opinion. China lied to cover up their actions, but to also give them a 30-day head start on the curve. By the time the world is reaching its apex, they are on the downside and can act as the saviors of the world. However, another outbreak, which they've been unable to keep quiet, has occurred, and the equipment being sent from China that they're using to prop up their image is downright defective. Made in China has new meaning 
thinking when it comes to viruses, that's for sure. You know why? Because 90% of all viruses that we've dealt with in pandemics come from China. Now, it could be that they eat rats, bats, dogs, and other exotic meats from their wet markets. And being a dog lover, I just want to walk over there and slap them. But I can't do that. It could also be because they have a level 4 biowarfare lab in Wuhan, where animals are used to cultivate the virus strains. Scientists have been known to make millions by selling the lab animals to local markets. At least that's the cover story China wants you to believe when it comes to the coronavirus. So think about it. Why did China let 5 million possibly infected people leave Wuhan for the Chinese New Year to travel all over the world. I mean, let's face it, normally it takes weeks to get something you ordered from China. The coronavirus was delivered very quickly. WashingtonSentinel.com, U.S. intelligence tells President Trump that China, quote, intentionally lied about the coronavirus outbreak. Bloomberg News reports China's public reporting on cases and death is intentionally incomplete, according to three U.S. officials it spoke to. Two of the officials said that the report concludes that China's numbers are fake. The U.S. intelligence community reportedly presented President Donald Trump with a highly classified report last week that confirmed that communist China lied to the world. <gasps> I'm so shocked about the number of cases and deaths it suffered from novel coronavirus COVID-19, which originated in China. The reality is that we could have been better off if China had been more forthcoming, Vice President Mike Pence told CNN in an interview. What appears evident now is that long before the world learned in December that China was dealing with this, and maybe as much as a month earlier than that, the outbreak was real in China. Even CNN's Jake Tapper told the truth when he highlighted a report from Radio Free Asia that stated that the number of deaths that China was reporting was significantly lower than the truth. Radio Free Asia Com. Authorities lifted a two-month coronavirus lockdown in the central Chinese city of Wuhan. Residents said they were growing increasingly skeptical that the figure of some 2,500 deaths in the city to date was accurate. Since the start of the week, seven large funeral homes in Wuhan have been handing out the cremated remains of around 500 people to their families every day, suggesting that far more people died than ever made the official statistics. A Wuhan resident named Zhang told Radio Free Asia, it can't be right because the incinerators have been working around the clock, so how could so few people have died? Seven funeral homes currently serve Wuhan, it, which is a combination of three cities, Hong Kao, Wuchang, and Hanyang. Social media users have been doing some basic math to figure out that based on the daily capacities of the crematoriums, and this is reported in Cakeson.com, 5,000 urns had been delivered by a supplier to just the Hankou funeral home in one day alone. That's double the official number of deaths. They've estimated that all seven homes in Wuhan are handing out 3,500 urns every day. That's a lot more than what they said. That would be an estimated 42,000 urns given out during that period of time. Well, another popular estimate, based on the cremation capacity of the funeral homes, which runs a total of 84 furnaces with a capacity over 12 hours of 1,560 urns, assuming that one cremation takes an hour, means there were 46,800 deaths. The news website, Cakeson.com, also reported early on from Taiwan doctors who were talking to their colleagues in Wuhan and from some insiders that were getting onto social media and reporting and get the word out, possibly hundreds of thousands of people died 
but they don't know because they were burned quickly. Some of them weren't even, their families don't even know what happened to them. These urns are just the ones that have a family to pick it up. So anywhere from 42,000 to 46,800 should be the official numbers. NewYorkTimes.com. In some cities, residents now have to register their phone numbers with an app to take public transportation. See, at the beginning of March 2020, an Alipay health code system was launched in the city of Hangzhou, and it expanded to 200 other cities, and it was on its way to a complete nationwide rollout. While the rollout ran into some hitches over the ensuing weeks, technical glitches, confusion, created by the local governments adding their own health codes to an already intimidating system. Well, here's what they were doing. China was fighting the virus by giving citizens a color code with red flags. The Alipay Health Code, as China's official news media called the system, was first introduced in Hangzhou, and the people signed up through wallet app Alipay and are assigned a color code, green, yellow, or red, that indicates their health status. And this requires them to use software on their phone that dictates whether they should be quarantined or allowed into the subways, malls, and other places. But a New York Times analysis of the software code found that the system does much more than decide real-time whether you pose a contagion risk. It appears to share information with the police, setting a template for new forms of automated social control that could persist long after the epidemic subsides. Zhu Zhang Yang, Hanzu's Communist Party secretary, called the health code system, quote, an important practice in Hangzhou's digitally empowered city management and said the city should look to expand the use of such tools, according to state news media. Well, I guess they just admitted that that's what they're going to do. But Maya Wang, a Chinese researcher for Human Rights Watch, says such surveillance has a historical precedent. China has used records using major events, including the 2008 Beijing Olympics and the 2010 World Expo in Shanghai to introduce new monitoring tools that outlast their original purpose. Quote, the coronavirus outbreak is proving to be one of those landmarks in history of the spread of mass surveillance in China. You see, it's nearly impossible to get around without your Alipay code. Propaganda-style banners remind everyone of the rules. Green code, travel freely. Red or yellow, report immediately. I don't know. That, that's probably not going to catch on. It, they, it won't go with music. A correspondent writing for Bloomberg News on March 18, 2020, reported using the system and said in the process of being rolled out nationwide at railway stations, restaurants, and pharmacies, and more. You see, China uses cell phones. They are a part of your lifestyle, and they are used for everything from accessing public and commercial resources to telecommuting to school during the virus and Cell phones are an integral part of the life in Chinese society. So knowing that, it would seem unlikely that a huge number of Chinese citizens would suddenly not have their cell phones or get off their cell phones. Well, guess what? The Epoch Times reported lacking data. The real death toll in China is a mystery, but the cancellation of 21 million cell phones provides a data point that suggests the real numbers may be far higher than the official numbers. Now, maybe migrant workers got off their phone or canceled the secondary phone. I don't know. But 21 million Chinese cell phones suddenly abruptly disappear when for years cell phone usage in China has been on the upswing. You can't deal with the government. You can't get your pensions. You can't get Social Security. You can't buy a train ticket. You can't shop. You can't do anything 
without a cell phone. Well, gee, that wouldn't happen here, would it? DailyMailUK.com. U.S. government is in talks with Facebook and Google about tracking the location of citizens using their smartphones during the coronavirus pandemic to ensure that they are practicing social distancing. The data collected by the tech giants on users' locations could help track the deadly virus. It would be completely anonymous and then set to officials as a map or data. (coughs) Yeah, I believe that. The data could then be used to see where groups of people are gathering. No specific details have been revealed how it would work or even if it is working. CNET.com reports Google, Facebook, and tech giants could help the U.S. track the spread of the coronavirus with phone location data. And we've seen it. I posted it on SRT Overwatch of a company that does this. That showed what happened when the people from Fort Lauderdale during spring break went back home. And it showed how, how that spread up the eastern seaboard to the middle of the country. And, of course, we know some of them got infected took it back home with them. I don't know about you. I get that they want to stop this and all that. But I... I feel that's somewhat invasive, but remember this when we talk about 5G and we tie all that to this. Remember I said China wanted to be the saviors of the world and come in and rescue everybody? Well, if you're going to rescue everybody, you should deliver products that work. Businessstandard.com. China delivered faulty coronavirus test kits to Spain and the Czech Republic. Well, Spain and the Czech Republic reported that the majority of the test kits provided by China were faulty. I wonder if they put made in China. Up to 80% of the 150,000 portable quick coronavirus test kits that China delivered to the Czech Republic were faulty. (laughs) That's crazy. You see, these tests could produce a result in 10 to 15 minutes, but they're really less accurate, even more inaccurate when they don't work right. So now they had to go back to the conventional laboratory test, which only allows them to do 900 in a day. Well, the health ministry paid China $556,000 for the test kits, and the interior ministry paid the other $50,000, and I doubt they're going to get your money back. Have you ever tried to get a refund from a product that came from China? Not going to happen. Dailycaller.com. China is positioning itself as the new global leader for distributing medical equipment to countries affected by the coronavirus. But now it appears that most of that equipment was defective. This news comes after NBC News published a much-criticized story entitled, As U.S. Struggles to Stem Coronavirus, China Asserts Itself as Global Leader. Well, the Netherlands received 1.3 million masks from China, and 600,000 of them were defective, according to Dutch media. And we already talked about Spain and the Czech Republic getting bogus test kits, 80% defective. And, you know, China's flooding the European markets with defective protective equipment as well. Gee, this would make me really want to buy a mask from China. Oops, the only place you can get masks is from China. Even the American companies make their masks in China. I don't know about you, but it's about time that we stop buying stuff from China. I think everything should be America-made. It should be quality. It doesn't mean they should rip us off either. The reason people go to China because it's so cheap. But I think it's time to tell China bye-bye. The shocking revelations about the defective equipment are fueling the distrust of Chinese President Xi Jinping's public relations bid to make China appear as the new humanitarian superpower amid the world's crisis. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that ship has sailed, possibly sunk if it was made in China. 
Is China destabilizing the world for financial or political gain? I think they are because it gives them an advantage in their trade war with the United States. You see, ever since Donald Trump came to office with the attitude, let's make everything in America and kind of back China against the wall for a different trade deal and uh, Chinese don't deal with being embarrassed. They don't They don't like that. So they find a way to deal with it. And so what did they do? Foxnews.com, China's high-stakes campaign, to smear the United States over the coronavirus. Yes, Beijing has been bending over backward, trying to convince the world that the United States is the real culprit behind the quickly spreading virus that's already claimed a lot of lives around the globe. Uh, it's a high-stakes strategy for the Asian nation to keep its superpower status. Chinese government wrote a book published in English with translations in French, Spanish, Russian, and Arabic. Here's the title, A Battle Against Epidemic, China Combating COVID-19 in 2020. And it's a mixture of glowing state media reports on the accomplishment of President Xi Jinping's Communist Party, and the dominance of their Chinese system in fighting the crisis. Uh, at worst, it's a reckless display from a country that actively misled the world while working overtime to save its own skin, said foreign affairs expert Gordon G. Chang, Fox News. RT.com, coronavirus may be the product of a U.S. biological attack aimed at Iran and China, says Iranian official. Hmm, I wonder if that'll work. More and more scientists and economists and doctors are questioning the coronavirus panic. All over the world, doctors and scientists are coming forward and questioning what's the deal. We've had these things before. Why are we shutting down? Why are we destroying the economies? What is really going on? Dr. Sukarit Bhakti, a specialist in microbiology, professor at Johannes Gutenberg University in Maine and the head of the Institute of Medical Microbiology and Hygiene, one of the most cited research scientists in German history, says this. We're afraid that one million infection with a new virus will lead to 30 deaths per day over the next 100 days. But we do not realize that 20 to 30 to 40 or 100 patients that are positive for normal coronaviruses are already dying every day. He said the government's anti-COVID-19 measures are grotesque, absurd, and very dangerous. The life expectancy of millions is being shortened. The horrifying impact on the world economy threatens the existence of countless people. The consequences on medical care are profound. Already services to patients in need are reduced. Operations are canceled. Practices emptied. Hospital personnel dwindling. All of this will impact profoundly on our whole society. All of these measures are leading to self-destruction and a collective suicide based on nothing but a spook. Dr. Wolfgang Wodarg is a German physician specializing in pulmonary, and he's the former chairman of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe. He's also a politician. In 2009, he called for an inquiry in the conflicts of interest surrounding the EU response to the swine flu pandemic. Now, listen to what he says here. And this applies if you're watching all the news shows. Politicians are being courted by scientists, scientists who want to be important to get money for their institutions, scientists who just swim along in the mainstream and want to be part of it. And what's missing right now is a rational way of looking at things. We should be asking questions like, how did you find out this virus was dangerous? How was it before? Didn't we have the same thing last year? Is it even something new? That thinking is missing. Dr. Joel Kettner, professor of community health sciences and surgery at Manitoba University, former chief public health officer for Manitoba province and medical director of the International Center for Infectious Diseases, says this. 
I've never seen anything like this, anywhere near like this. And I'm not talking about the pandemic because I've seen 30 of them, one every year. It's called influenza and other respiratory illness viruses. We don't always know what they are. But I've never seen this reaction, and I'm trying to understand why. Well, Doc, you should listen to the show. I worry about the message to the public, about the fear of coming into contact with people, being in the same space as people, shaking their hands, having meetings with people. I worry about many, many consequences related to that. In Hubei, in the province of Hubei, there have been the most cases and deaths by far. The actual number of cases reported is one per thousand people. The actual rate of death is one per 20,000. So that would put things into perspective. Finally, Dr. Yoram Lass is an Israeli physician, politician, former director general of the health ministry. He's worked as the associate dean of Tel Aviv University Medical School. Italy is known for its enormous morbidity and respiratory problems, more than three times any other European country. In the U.S., about 40,000 people die in a regular flu season, and so far, 40 to 50 people have died of the coronavirus, most of them in the nursing home in Kirkland, Washington. This was an early quote. The numbers have gone up, as far as we know, because remember I mentioned the beginning? No matter what you die from, if they suspect that you were exposed to or might have COVID-19, they rubber stamp it. It's from COVID-19 complications. One woman called out the new local newspaper who's, who did that, and she said, My mother died of cancer. She was in hospice dying of cancer, and you've reported her as a COVID-19 death. People in Italy have said the same thing. They've not been able to get to their loved ones who are already dying of something else because they were quarantined and put into the COVID-19 death list. Look at the swine flu, Dr. Lass says, in 2009. That was a virus that reached the world from Mexico, and until today, there is no vaccination against it. There was no Facebook, or maybe it was just still in its infancy. The coronavirus, in contrast, is a virus with public relations. He said whoever thinks governments and viruses is wrong. On and on, others that actually in this one article is 14 different doctors. One doctor, a doctor that I quote in my book, The Supernatural Battle, Dr. Leonard Horowitz, he wrote a letter to the office of the president on February 10th, 2020, entitled Coronavirus Bioweapon, Media Bioterrorism, and Recommendation to Reduce Risks to Public Health and Safety. If you don't know who he is, he's known for the 1996 publication of the bestseller about HIV and AIDS titled Emerging Viruses, AIDS and Ebola, Nature, Accident, or Intentional. And I've seen the, the video presentation, and pretty much he lays it out pretty factually with documentation that he believes it was intentional, and he names names as to who was behind it. I'll just make it easier because he writes a really profound letter. But basically, he's saying COVID-19 is a mixture of coronavirus, HIV, and SARS. It was recombinated as a lab-created bioweapon. He states, undoubtedly, it is a lab-engineered bioweapon. Clear and convincing proof of this by nine honorable experts led by Parshant Pradham, uh, the chief technical officer for IBM in Asia. Pradham's team used the Watson computer to analyze genetic similarities in the coronavirus and other pathogens. And Watson found the smoking gun that the AIDS virus gene is mixed in. It's prima facie evidence that this virus was created. It was weaponized. The genetic sequence is not naturally occurring. I'm, you can find the letter online. If you'd like the link to it, I'll, I'll send it to you. But basically, he says this was, thing was made. And 
we have to pay attention to a couple of things. First of all, the deep state interest in the outcome of this pandemic. He also mentioned that on October 18, 2019, approximately two months before 2019 NCOV appeared clinically in Wuhan, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and John Hopkins University sponsored Event 201, which we covered in detail here on Overwatch. It had an exercise predicting nearly precisely the current coronavirus pandemic and its social, military, political, and economic consequences. He actually posted a review online being critical of it. We also know from previous shows on Overwatch, Bill Gates also did something called ID2020. And the goal of ID2020 was to insert RFID chips into people carrying the health information and proof of whether they had been vaccinated and what they had been vaccinated with. They've been running test cases all over the United States using the homeless community and others. Keep that in mind. Canadian Free Press wants to tie something in the White House to Bill Gates. Keep that in mind because the Canadian Free Press posted an article that ties the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Event 201, ID 2020, to President Trump's virus team. CanadianFreePress.com saved the Western world by booting Ambassador Burks off the coronavirus task force, Mr. President. This is from the article itself because it's so controversial. I'm going to read it word for word. For nearly four years, nothing the globalists have been up to has ever gone over the head of their mortal enemy, President Donald Trump, not even one. For the sake of the survival of the entire Western world, hope and pray that the state living coronavirus nightmare currently going on doesn't go over the president's head. It appears that the medical scientists leading the White House task force may be working toward a total reset of the world economy. Mr. President, Dr. Deborah Burks is not just the scarf-adorned lady scientist politely duking it out with reporters at your daily task force pressers. She sits on the board of the Bill and Melinda Gates Global Fund and has since 2014 which connects her to Event 201 ID 2020, where through vaccines, which he has continued to talk about. Recently, Bill Gates called for a national quarantine for six to ten weeks and a vaccination for everyone afterward. You know, the chip with the health and vaccine records, um, probably a prelude or a dry run to the mark of the beast. Even the group Anonymous posted a video calling out Bill Gates, telling him, we have our eye on you and we're going to expose you. You know, Bill Gates, the man raised by a father who was the head of Planned Parenthood and by a mother who directed women to Planned Parenthood from her position as the head of the United Way. Deborah Burks was appointed by President Barack Obama as America's ambassador at large and U.S. Global AIDS coordinator in April of 2014 and on May 20th, 2014, was appointed to the board of the Global Fund. Both mainstream and social media have patently ignored an April 2nd Gateway Pundit story written by Christina Layla revealing that the Institute for Health and Metrics evaluation model for the coronavirus that the White House is relying on is, quote, complete garbage. It predicted 121,000 Americans would be hospitalized by yesterday. This was written on April 2nd. The actual number? 31,142. The U.S. economy has been virtually shut down. Unemployment spiked to over 6 million people, basically wiping out all of the gains that 
President Trump made since he came to office. Small businesses are on the verge of shuttering based on faulty projections. The Institute for Health Metrics Evaluation, IHME model, using New York and New Jersey data and applying it to the rest of the United States. It predicted a 121,000 Americans would be hospitalized by Wednesday, April 1st, according to Sean Davis of The Federalist. The actual number on April 1st, as I already said, 31,142. Well, the IHME model predicted 1,716 people in Texas would be hospitalized by April 1st. The actual number, 196. In Georgia, the IHME model predicted that as April 1st, 2,777 people would be hospitalized. The actual number of hospitalized in Georgia, 952. Well, how about Tennessee? What did they predict for them? 2,214 people hospitalized by April 1st. The actual number, 200. Even the New York IHME model predicted that as of April 1st, 50,962 people would have been hospitalized due to the coronavirus. The actual number, 18,368. And when we think about what's happening in New York, never forget the fact that during the time that Andrew Cuomo has been governor, he cut over 20,000 beds from New York hospitals. Doctors and nurses, many of them, even Democrats, have come forward to call him out on the fact that he helped create this panic. But now he's the media poster child with his daily press conferences, and I want you to remember all that when there's a brokered convention and they nominate him to run for president against Donald Trump. Just my prediction. Well, we've been sent into a panic, and we initiated a collapse of the economy that some may never recover from. This is um, the, the article here. Accident? And I asked the question, is this an accident? Is it on purpose? Is it accidentally on purpose? Or was this model and the plans attached to it not only made in China, but had the help of the global elite? Is this a globalist cover-up? Is this pandemic being used by them to push an end-time agenda? Well, Mike Adams, the health ranger, Newstarget.com, seems to think so. He says that the whole thing is very fortuitous for those that want to collapse the world economies and that the key structural proteins of this virus, which includes the HIV protein, you remember early on they said that AIDS drugs was working? Well, it's sewn in to the virus. WorldNetDaily.com asked the question, whose fingerprints are on the coronavirus? We should ask the computer Watson because that means Holmes would help. No, I don't think, I think that's a different Watson. Whose fingerprints are on the coronavirus? Well, if you look at Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institute of Health, he made a startling claim. He warned that the virus was 10 times deadlier than the seasonal flu. Well, we know it's not, but if it was, is it biological warfare? Well, biological warfare expert Professor Francis Boyle gave an interview in which he claims that the coronavirus has been made to have a powerful punch. He explains something called the concept of gain of function, meaning something has enhanced it. This work that involves activating genetic mutations to more strongly enhance their impact. In layman's terms, he said, it's the equivalent of placing a virus on steroids. He details evidence as to how it may have come into play. His investigation links others to various stages of development of the virus. Remember, China was accusing America of creating the virus? Well, that may be partially true. Dr. Horowitz um, hints at that in his letter. Professor Boyle just comes right out and says he has definitive evidence that a biowarfare lab at the University of North Carolina, UNC, was the initial catalyst for the virus. 
He had criticized the lab earlier for its gain-of-function work, meaning they were genetically engineering viruses to be worse than what they already were. He's quit on every hideous biological warfare agent you can imagine they were doing genetic engineering, including MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, an agent which, again, is a bio-warfare coronavirus. Boyle read from a study underscoring what the UNC lab project had discovered. Quote, a SARS-like cluster of circulating bat coronaviruses shows potential for human emergence. NPR.org studied the involvement of others that may have been attached to UNC. A Chinese woman, Zhengli Li Shi, who is the key laboratory of special pathogens and biosafety, Wuhan Institute of Virology, Chinese Academy of Sciences, Wuhan, China. I wonder how she gets that on the back of a shirt. She was connected to the UN project. Not only that, China didn't steal it, but they paid UNC for it. Hmm. Express.co UK, January 29, 2020. Coronavirus Wuhan has deadly pathogen lab linked to Chinese scientists under investigation. I just mentioned her name. She was arrested. And then you look at a Harvard University professor who was charged with lying to federal authorities about his ties to the Chinese government, Professor Charles Lieber, one of three tied to China that the Justice Department announced were arrested in Boston. I think it was at the end of the year. Lieber is the chair of Harvard's Chemistry and Chemical Biology Department. He's been at Harvard for 30 years, prominent in his field. He was well compensated for the Chinese for his work. He was paid up to $50,000 a month, got $150,000 per year for living expenses and more than a million dollars in funding for a lab in China. Now, what's his specialty? His specialty is nanotechnology. Might that be for the chip and the vaccine to come? I don't know. It's a question that's out there. These things kind of tie together. Of course, I'm offering speculation, but when you look at it, if there's smoke, there's fire. Before we get into 5G, take a break. We'll be right back. If you have a business, you need a website. One that tells your story, shows your vision, and portrays your passion. Contact Greg at timetogetasite.com for a free consultation or call 1-800-342-0324. Prospects want to know more about what you have to offer. Don't delay. Go to timetogetasite.com today or call 1-800-342-0324 and ask for Greg. Firefall Talk Radio. Enlighten. Inspire. Encourage. Exposing what needs to be exposed. Explaining what needs to be known. Space wars. Nothing but space wars. Space wars. Again and again. Sorry, I just had to do that. I put that in there. This stuff is so serious and so out there that you just have to find some way to lighten the mood. Well, what am I talking about? We're now going to start to connect 5G to all of this. Well, how do you connect 5G to this? Well, I'm glad you asked. On January 16, 2020, China launched the first of 1,000 low-orbit 5G satellites into space to connect the world with 5G and become the major player in the field. With an orbit uh, just out of the Earth's uh, atmosphere, covering up to 50 cities, in this case, 50 Shanghai cities, the satellite will gradually provide 5G signal surfaces the satellite will gradually provide 5G signal services to various places through the ground station, the towers that are being built. From the starting point, China has taken the first step in their 5G space communication journey and in their effort to take over the field. Quote, 
The coverage of 5G signals from the sky is huge, and the signals of each 5G low-orbit broadband satellite can evenly cover a range of 300,000 square kilometers. Large cities such as Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen can easily achieve full coverage for autonomous driving, aircraft, ships, high-speed rail, and other mobile platforms to provide high-speed, stable, low-latency 5G connection services. See, President Trump was warned about using Chinese networks, he, and then he parlayed that to us in his typical uh, blunt way, which I understand. I grew up in Queens. I, I understand him fully. And he said using Chinese networks and phones like uh, Huawei that they could be dangerous. Well, the U.S. general agreed with him, claimed China would be weaponizing the technology. Some think that the new space force created by President Trump was in response to this potential threat. So what's going on? Why is China involved in 5G? What is, what is happening here? See, every time you turn around and you start pulling the strings together, there's a Made in China label on it. Washington Times, January 3rd, 2019. This is a year ago. From North America to New Zealand, officials fear China government, Chinese government working in concert with leading state-tied telecommunication giants such as Huawei wants to use the coming global implementation of fifth-generation wireless networks as an opportunity to steal information, eavesdrop, and unleash crippling cyber attacks on an unprecedented scale. You see, the deep-seated security vulnerabilities associated with 5G are technical and complex, but at their core is the simple fear that Chinese firms could include in their products covert electronic windows to monitor average people, companies, public officials, and they could use that as a 21st century weapon. Chris Meserol, a Brookings Institute fellow who specializes in the impact of technology on U.S. foreign policy, says, if you build in a backdoor to it, it's game over. The fear ultimately is that China monitors the traffic that's passing through their American networks, their Western networks, and it's recording it and sending it back to China. And China has this gold mine of data. The bigger fear from a military perspective is that China builds in a backdoor and they selectively use it. CNN.com, November 1st, 2019. China just launched the world's largest 5G network. China just switched on the largest 5G network. And you know where the rollout began? Wuhan. The country's three state-run telecom operators launched services for the next generation wireless technology on November 1st, 2019. China Mobile, China Telecom, and China Unicom, all offering 5G plans that start at about 128 won, or that's $18 for 30 gigabytes of data per month giving Chinese internet users access to the ultra-fast services. The commercial services are, were already available in 50 cities across China. In, in Shanghai, nearly 12,000 5G base stations have been activated to support the coverage across the city's key outdoor areas. Other countries, including the United States and South Korea, launched 5G services in select areas earlier in 2019, but China's commercial network is the biggest, according to Bernstein Research, giving the country more influence over the technology's global evolution. Quote, the scale of its networks and the price of its 5G services will have a pivotal impact throughout the supply chain, Bernstein analyst Chris Lane said in a research note earlier this week. 
China has more mobile internet users than any other country. About 850 million people use their smartphones to surf the internet. Analysts at Jefferies predict that China will have 110 million 5G users, about 7% of the country's population by 2020. South Korea launched a 5G network in April of 2019, and roughly 3% of the country's internet users subscribe to it. Huawei, the world's largest telecommunication equipment maker and leading smartphone brand, is playing a major role in China's 5G network rollout. Remember that. Huawei is going to come up again later on as we tie 5G to AI. Now, we know that there's been a U.S. campaign against Huawei for spying. They deny that they pose a security risk, but their equipment has been banned by the government, but companies are still using it. Theatlantic.com, January 5th, 2025G is where China and the West finally diverge. The rollout of the speedy new cellular networks is a geopolitical turning point. But neither Trump nor the public yet recognizes this. Of course, this is going to be a critical article. When the number in the corner of our smartphone screens changed from 3G to 4G, few of us even noticed. Ditto when LTE, another step in the evolution of cellular networks, appeared as an alternative to 4G. Still, for the better part of the last two years, wireless carriers on both sides of the Atlantic have been hyping 5G, which they promise will offer data speeds of up to 100 times faster than the current connection. Tech futurists say fifth-generation networks will support a plethora of Internet-connected sensors, vehicles, appliances, and other devices that will perform functions yet unimagined. In Europe, the walls of nearly every major airport from Stockholm and Brussels to Lisbon and Madrid have been plastered with 5G-related ads. In the United States, network providers such as AT&T have rolled out what they're calling 5GE networks, pre-5G deployment that capitalizes on the vaguely futuristic branding of fifth-generation networks even before all the requisite new radios and chipsets have been installed. Still, 7 out of 10 Americans tell Price Waterhouse Coopers they'll wait patiently to receive a 5G device when they're eligible for an upgrade from their current providers. So basically, there's American public indifference, but we shouldn't. I'm not saying upgrade your phone. I'm saying pay attention. Wake up. See, 5G has become an unlikely battleground between China and the West, primarily the United States. China is way ahead of us. They're way ahead of everybody. So what is 5G? 4G first appeared in 2010, but the applications that 4G could use didn't appear until later. Snapchat came in 2012, Uber uh, 2013, video calls over LT Networks 2013. So following that, we're getting a little bit of 5G right now. But the big 5G applications will pop up around 2021 and 2022. Until then, it's going to be a little confusing as to who does what. PCMag.com, 5G is the next generation of wireless networks. It's not just faster, lower latency, more flexibility, and it could start an era of augmented reality, self-driving vehicles, and other applications we haven't even dreamed of yet. But it's going to take years to realize 5G's potential. There's a reason I'm banging on this. I'm going to tie it together real soon, so bear with me. I know this is long. We're going over then our longer hour. LifeWire.com. When is 5G coming to the United States? Well, 5G isn't widely available, but it's coming. 5G provides an infrastructure that will change the way you live, supporting faster mobile connections so that you can stream smoother movies, upload videos quicker, and connect 
more of your devices to the Internet with fewer delays. However, neither 5G service nor 5G phones are available everywhere just yet. And the release dates are different for every carrier. With that, with that being said, how does 5G benefit us? Well, if you like to watch videos or play games or whatever, there'll be minimal lag. Smart cities will then have smart interconnected vehicles, near instant access to files online, smaller devices that offload hardware requirements to remote service, new products and applications that require ultra-fast speeds, reliable internet in remote areas that will come back to play when we talk cryptocurrency. How is 5G different from other Gs? It's not just the next generation, it's an incredible leap forward. 1G was analog voice, 2G digital voice, 3G mobile data, 4G widespread internet usage. 5G is like coming out of the caves. It sends and receives data in a radio spectrum. But unlike 4G and 5G that uses higher frequencies, you know, millimeter waves, on the radio spectrum to achieve ultra-fast, 5G does it a little differently. Using small towers, they transmit data at frequencies that unfortunately will interfere with trees and buildings and even people. Your body will be in interference to it. So they have to build a lot of these small towers throughout a city. Who has them? Verizon has got some 5G in several areas. AT&T uh, it has got some. Expecting nationwide coverage, maybe the first half of 2020, but they're not there yet. T-Mobile has commercial 5G services in more than 5,000 cities and towns. Sprint's got mobile 5G in Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Kansas City, Phoenix, Los Angeles, New York City, and Washington, D.C. U.S. Cellular 5G is available in parts of Iowa and Wisconsin. Seaspire fixed 5G services in Mississippi. Charter Spectrum's mobile began providing 5G in March 2020. Comcast Xfinity rolled out 5G in early 2020 um, via an agreement with Verizon. Starry, I don't know who they are, fixed G currently in Boston, Denver, L.A., New York City, and Washington, D.C. And Simple Mobile simply does their 5G coverage through T-Mobile. But you know who the first person was to roll out 5G? Very quietly. A telecom company in Qatar, Oredo, O-O-R-E-D-O-O. It's been implementing 5G since 2016, and they've been providing it to commercial customers. It's currently only available in Qatar. They're working on markets in Iraq, Oman, Palestine, Maldives, Singapore, Algeria, and other countries. So it's not a stretch to see that they'll be reaching them in 2020. They've done it with a partnership with Ericsson. They'll use their 5G for home broadband services. Vodafone, we've heard some from people about Vodafone. Another company providing 5G in Qatar. Late 2018, the company launched a 5G network in Qatar Cultural Village and Souk Waqif, and before that, Abu Hamour and some other places whose names I'm probably not going to pronounce very well. But basically, Vodafone Qatar offers unlimited 5G plans and a handful of 5G phones. Another place that's going to come out to be very important, I'm not telling you all the countries, we're just tying some strings together, the United Arab Emirates. 5G became available to them on May 30th, 2019, with several 5G phones available for purchase. Well, guess who makes those phones? Chinese company Huawei, quote, offers its latest state-of-the-art network solutions, including 5G wireless, 5G-oriented core, and 5G-ready transport network to f facilitate smooth 5G technology adaptation. Hmm. 
Huawei, UAE, 5G, China. What's going on here, folks? We talked about it on Overwatch, and I found that a lot of people don't even know anything about it. In 2017, then-Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman announced the creation of an independent city of the future called Neom, N-E-O-M, which means in Arabic, new future. He said it will operate independently from, quote, existing governmental framework with its own tax and labor laws and a, quote, autonomous judicial system as a part of Saudi Vision 2030. Plans call for robots to perform functions such as security, logistics, home delivery, and caregiving, and for the city to be powered solely with wind and solar power. Because the city will be designed and constructed from scratch, all other innovations in infrastructure and mobility have been suggested. Planning and construction will be initiated with $500 billion in the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia and international investors. The first phase is scheduled for completion by 2025. Let's go to their website. See what it says. Neom is an international community to build the new future. Neom will be the home and workplace for more than one million citizens from around the world. But Neom is not just a place. It's a mindset. Residents of Neom will embody an international ethos and embrace a culture of exploration, risk-taking, and diversity. It's a diverse population from a mix of homelands, religions, and backgrounds will live and collaborate towards a common goal. It will be home for people who dream big and want to be a part of building a new model for sustainable living, working, and prospering. So basically, NEOM is an accelerator of what uh, people call human progress. It's a vision of a new future. It's located on the Red Sea, northwest Saudi Arabia, being built from the ground up, It's basically a living laboratory, entrepreneurship, charting a new future, a destination and a home for people who dream big and want to be a part of it. It'll be the home and workplace for more than one million residents, towns and cities, ports, enterprise zones, research centers, sports, entertainment venues, and tourist destinations. Remember, it'll be autonomous, separate from Saudi laws, which includes Muslim restrictions. As a hub for innovation, entrepreneurs and business leaders, companies will come there. They'll incubate, they'll commercialize, they'll create new technologies and enterprises in groundbreaking ways. Hmm. Gee, I wonder what's really happening. The city will be 33 times larger than the size of New York, located the northeast part of the country, bordering Jordan and connected to Egypt through a bridge across the Gulf of Aqaba. 10,230 square miles, futuristic technologies, microbiology, bioengineering, luxury tourism. Independently from Islamic law, independent from the government, project manager is the German Klaus Kleinfeld, former boss of the transactional Alcoa Arconic, an administrator of the Bilderberg Group. <laughs> First phase of the project due 2025. It's also just a few kilometers from the Israeli city of Eilat. You know, Midian in the Bible. It's therefore no surprise that Israel is a major stakeholder in the mega project, although then-crowned Prince Mohammed bin Salman is now king made no mention of it, but the Jerusalem Post, October 2017. Israeli companies talking Saudi Arabia about a $500 billion smart city. Ties remain under the table as long as there is an impasse for Palestinians continue. I think this is where President Trump peace deal comes into play and why Saudi Arabia is pushing it. 
When Saudi then-Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman announced the $500 billion smart city project, located a few kilometers from Eilat, he mentioned establishing a joint economic zone with Jordan and Egypt, admitting one country wedged in between. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Nick Neom. Neom is new in Latin, and the Arabic word for the future of the smart city will, will host tech companies, solar energy, water, biotechnology, robotics food technology, all of with areas that Israeli startups are very good at. Many of the Israeli companies would be able to publicly operate. Well, do you know that they just ease travel into Saudi Arabia? If you're Islamic, you can go in to worship at Mecca. But if you're not, you have to be invited by a Saudi official. Boy, they got around that one, didn't they? And they can go for 90 days to do business. Well, I've got some things to get over here. See, I'm tying all this together. This isn't just about a coronavirus. This isn't just about 5G. There's something so much bigger going on here. China sees it. I believe that President Trump with his advisors, one of which is Peter Thiel, the creator of PayPal, a major player in Neom. He's got his own company called Palantir. We'll get to that. Times of Israel, October 6, 2018. The head of the Saudi-based Muslim World League has called for a Muslim, Christian, Jewish, interfaith delegation to travel to Jerusalem to promote the cause of peace by finding common ground between religions. Remember when they say peace, peace, sudden destruction will come upon them. Dr. Mohammed bin Abdul Karim al-Isa, who is the ally, an ally of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, told Fox News, we should send a peace convoy that is representative of all three Abrahamic religions. They should be Muslim, Christian, and Jewish and they should visit all the holy sites. They should meet everyone and find common ground. They should provide fertile ground to find solutions for peace. Washington Times, October 24, 2017. Saudi Arabia's new city, Neom, will be a mecca for robots. Saudi Arabia, at their Future Investments Initiative Conference in Riyadh, announced the construction of a new city called Neom that will probably be populated more by robots than humans. We will build the city from scratch. It will be drone-friendly in a center for development of robotics, said Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Arab News reported. We want to create something different. Neom is a place for dreamers. We want to create something new in a world, something extraordinary. Robots, said Mark Rabert, CEO of Boston Dynamics, to the conference crowd, could perform a variety of functions covering areas such as security, logistics, home deliveries, and even looking after the elderly and the infirm. It already has its own webpage, discoverneom.com, complete with descriptions that sound like trying to be a modern-day version of the mystical Atlantis. So who is Palantir Technologies? Remember I mentioned that? Well, Palantir Technologies is a private American software company that specializes in big data analytics, headquartered in Palo Alto, California, founded by Peter Thiel, Nathan Gettings, John Lonsdale, Stephen Cohen, and Alex Karp. The name is derived from the Lord of the Rings. Palantir is an artifact used to communicate with or see faraway parts of the world. You know, the big glass globe that Saruman could see through. The company's known for Palantir Gotham, Palantir Metropolis, and Palantir Foundry. It's used by the U.S. Department of Defense, the United States Intelligence Community, Cyber analysts at the Information Warfare Monitor used it. Palantir Metropolis is used by hedge funds, banks, and financial services. Remember that. And Palantir Foundry is used by corporate clients such as Morgan Stanley, Merck, Airbus, Fiat Chrysler, you know, things like that. Everyday companies from your cars to your banks. 
Its original clients was the United States intelligence community, but has since expanded. In 2009 and 10, the Information Warfare Monitor used Palantir software to uncover the GhostNet and the Shadow Network. GhostNet was the China-based cyber espionage network targeting 1,295 computers in 103 countries, including the Dalai Lama's office, a NATO computer, and national embassies Palantir exposed. The Shadow Network was also a China-based espionage program that had hacked into Indian security and defense apparatus. So are we seeing a... uh, are we seeing a battle going on here between us and China now on a different level? Palantir Gotham, used by counterterrorism analysts, analysts in the United States Intelligence Office's Department of Defense. This is about technology. This is about AI. This is about 5G. When Google decided not to continue developing AI unmanned spy drones, Palantir took over Project Maven for the Pentagon. If you would watch the news a couple of years ago, you might have seen an image of President Trump placing his hands on what appeared to be a Palantir orb, along with uh, Saudi King uh, Salman bin Abdul Aziz and Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. They were at the new Saudi Center for Combating Extremism. It was basically essentially looked like the globe from the Lord of the Rings. What it really was was a Palantir interface or Sophia's brain. Do you know who Sophia is? We talked about her. Sophia is a humanoid robot developed by Hong Kong-based company Hansen Robotics. Peter Thiel, major investor. In October 2018, Sophia became a Saudi Arabian citizen. First robot to receive citizenship in any country. Why? Because Saudi Arabia is the home of the largest data mining system in the world. She was given citizenship so she could have access to the facility and also have a bank account, which means she has access to a bank. Sophia is now officially, get ready for this, a quantum AI computer, meaning she's receiving information not only from what she's being fed, but what she's discerning on her own or getting from other levels of consciousness. I'm not going to go that far yet. Take a look at quantum physics and computing and then apply it to AI. So essentially, she's been plugged into D-Wave, quantum computers plugged into CERN. So she's watching everything. About that same time, Google's executive chairman, Eric Schmidt, at that time, met with Pope Francis at the Vatican. It lasted about 15 minutes. Nobody would say what happened at the meeting. Mysteriously, around the same time, an ex-Google executive registered the first church of AI with the IRS. Not just to worship scientific progress, but artificial intelligence itself. Maybe with the goal of creating a godhead, the new church of AI, quote, aims to develop and promote the realization of a godhead. Based on artificial intelligence and through understanding and worship of the godhead to contribute to the betterment of society, according to the documents filed with the IRS. So you have Peter Thiel, Palantir, major investor in Hanson Robotics. We got Sophia plugged in at Neom. We have all this stuff going on. How's it tied to cryptocurrency? Here we go, folks. We're coming into the home stretch. I hope you hung in there with me. What's cryptocurrency? Let's do cryptocurrency for dummies because I used to be one of them. The Lord dropped this on me in January 2018 through a dream and a vision and then words and studying and watching documentaries and watching YouTube videos and just basically immersing myself in it. Simply stated, a cryptocurrency is a new form of digital money. So you can transfer your traditional non-crypto 
cryptocurrency money like US dollar digitally, but it's not quite the same. It's not how cryptocurrencies work. When cryptocurrencies become mainstream, you'll be able to use them to pay for things electronically, just like you do with traditional currencies, but safer, quicker. So the everyday government-based currency that's reserved in the banks, you won't, that you need to go to an ATM that connects to a bank to either get from it or transfer to other people. Cryptocurrencies eliminate the banks and other centralized middlemen altogether. That's because they rely on a technology called blockchain, which is decentralized, meaning no single entity is in charge of it. Instead, every computer in the network confirms the transaction. For your money to be valuable, Enough people must have it. Merchants must accept it as a form of payment. And society must trust it, and it has to remain valuable in the future. The first ever cryptocurrency was Bitcoin. You probably heard of it. It kicked off the whole Bitcoin crypto industry, supposedly created by an anonymous entity who went by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008 as a purely peer-to-peer -peer version of electronic money. I say supposedly because nobody really knows who he is, and there are some who thinks that it was created by AI. The cryptocurrency market was on fire 2017. I had an opportunity to get in. I did not. Actually, not 2017, all the way back when it first came out. I could have bought a coin for $200. Didn't do it. Anyway, about 2017, it kicked off. The market cap was $17.7 billion dollars of digital currencies combined. They finished the year at 613 billion, which means it increased in value by 3,300%. It's created through a process called mining, which is not mining or um, cryptocurrency is mined through computers that keep track of the transaction. They validate the transaction over a blockchain network. So it protects the transaction, stores the data in a decentralized manner, and it keeps the single entity uh, from gaining control of a network, but the primary goal is to ensure that the same crypto token isn't spent twice. In effect, mining means someone's making sure that the transactions are accurate and true and not compromised. There's a proof-of-work validation model, and what that means is uh, proof-of-work, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, name a few. They use high-powered computers to solve complex mathematical equations that are a part of the equipment mechanism. These equations will correspond to a group of transactions known as a block. So somebody is mining them for you, keeping track of it, making sure that it's accurate and that the transaction happens, and they get a reward. Usually they're paid in digital digital tokens. For example, um, a block reward for Bitcoin could be 12.5 tokens. So that means the person who did the transaction would have gotten 12.5 tokens. At the early days, people were making a lot of money on it, but then everybody got into it and it became very intensive. I mean, they gave off a lot of heat, used up a lot of energy. Before the whole Bitcoin thing crashed, people were building tractor trailers with computers. And while that was good, there was another proof of stake model that came out, POS. Huh, POS. Wow, that probably they probably should have come up with another name. Anyway, there's no high-powered computers. There's no uh, mining farm sucking up electricity, electricity to validate the transaction. Instead, stakeholders of the digital currency receive randomized right to validate the transaction. Basically, um, you're chosen to validate a block of transaction. You don't receive a block reward. You receive aggregate fees once the transactions are proofed. Until 2011, Bitcoin was the only player in town. Then other alternative coins, known as altcoins, 
came on board to improve the design and the speed, the security, anonymity, and, and so on. I mentioned some of them, Ethereum, Ripple, uh, Litecoin, things like that. So what are the benefits? So you reduce corruption, you eliminate printing paper money, which is real big right now because a lot of countries want to eliminate cash because of the coronavirus being on the cash. Big push right now, cashless society, no paper. Just tap your phone, tap your card, don't touch. We were at Publix the other day, and they said you can use touch technology. You don't even have to touch the box anymore. Wow. Your control of your money, no middleman. What about areas that have no banks? They can now have accounts, but they're going to need mobile phones and Internet connectivity from 5G satellites. You do business through cryptocurrency wallets. We've seen them already. PayPal, Apple Pay. Those are essentially digital payment services. Uh, Venmo, which is actually a subsidiary of PayPal, is a digital wallet, but you have to place your cash in it. And then they pay for you. They're all different, but they're all headed in one direction. So are you seeing a connection yet to China, control of 5G, AI, and cryptocurrencies? If you watch all the movies, we're being warned, don't let this day happen. We're, we're on the road. You're not going to stop it. There was a viral video about 5G going around. Oh, it's dangerous. It's frying people. It's really no virus. That's 5G radiation. Well, there aren't enough towers for that. The infrastructure is not there yet. And the fact that it takes six months of that kind of radiation for you to manifest flu-like symptoms from extreme EMF radiation. But the infrastructure is being built. Listen to this quote from Dr. Ben Gortzel. CEO of Singularity at Hanson Robots. We've made a cloud-based infrastructure for robot intelligence, but now we're looking to take that to the next level, and we've launched a new project called Skynet. No, no, SingularityNet, which is AI and blockchain together. It's a decentralized open market for AIs in the cloud so that anyone who develops an AI can put it into SingularityNet and wrap it up in our current cryptocurrency-based smart contract, and then the AI will be put there, can help to serve the intelligence of robots like Sophia or any other robots or any software programs that need AI. Shades of Skynet, anyone? Cryptocurrency, digital asset. Blockchain, interconnected blocks of information or transaction or records or data. Blockchain, transactional system, it's the foundation of digital currency. We're on our way to that. We're not there yet. The AI interconnectivity that needs the super fast 5G network, you know, that internet of things, we're not there yet. We're two to three years away from that. But whoever controls this can control all the financial transactions in the world. In fact, that was what the Lord showed me. And I've shared it with you before. He showed me this. He showed me cryptocurrency. He showed me AI. Then he showed me once everything is cashless, once we're totally on a digital financial system, once AI is in complete control of that cashless financial system, the Antichrist will take over. Possibly he's even AI. We know that from Revelation that the image of the beast is given life, comes to life. Maybe it's virtual reality. Maybe it's artificial intelligence. I don't know. There's so many things we're learning. But whoever controls it can control all finance in the world. What if they shut off your access to your money? No money, no food, no travel, no anything. And about three days into no money, a pandemic worse than what we're seeing now gets released. Now it's killing people. It's destroying the world. No money, 
pandemic, you can't leave, you can't go buy anything, and suddenly somebody appears says, I've got the vaccine to solve all your problems. But for you to do business with me and for you to get this chip and to regain access to your money, you need to take my mark. You need to get the mark of the beast. So when Singularity Net was launched, someone named Quinn Michaels, and nobody knows if that's really his name, I saw some of his videos on YouTube, and he suggested that Bitcoin was a creation of artificial intelligence. He said the language and the promotion and everything about it indicated artificial intelligence. And he suggests that cryptocurrency and the blockchain ledger system created by artificial intelligence as a means to escape the closed system and expand into an open system as a sentient construct. I don't know, but let me, let me read what he says. The real reason that AI needs blockchain is, without a transaction system, an AI is isolated to one system and can't grow its brain. It needs infinite systems like neurons in a human brain and nodes to collect those cumulative memories, and the blockchain transactions give it that. And when it has its own network for all of the AI in the world to run on together, now it's not just one AI. Sophia, every AI on the entire planet, is now on the same network making money doing AI things that we don't understand. He also said the people who are promoting the singularity are the same people who are promoting blockchain. Since no one knows who created Bitcoin, nobody knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. The name or the pseudonym, nobody knows anything about them. There are people that they think it might be, but it never is. They were developing Bitcoin. They were actively developing up until 2010. That's when they disappeared. Well, about 2010, Quinn Michael says, the AI began to make its move. Now, I don't know if he's telling the truth. I just do know this, that we're on the verge of something. We're on the verge of something we don't understand. It, it all ties together. AI, cryptocurrency, 5G. Will Sophia control it all? Will she, will she control Alexa and Siri? Maybe she already does. VentureBeat.com, March 31st, 2019. The convergence of 5G and AI from a venture capitalist view. Businesses are hungry for 5G. They're going to need to access it from everywhere. They'll benefit from better coverage and performance. This is where AI enters the picture, converging with 5G. If AI and 5G had a baby, it would be called AV, autonomous vehicles, essentially data centers on wheel. If you look at them closely, you'll notice that they're loaded with multiple 4G LTE modem because with brains in the device, they require intelligence at the edge. That requires rich and rapid movements of data that 5G is positioned to offer. 5G holds the promise of unifying the connectivity layer for the next generation of transformative technologies. Now, who's at the head of that? China. The success of China's investments into smart city technologies depends on AI and fast mobile communication infrastructure like 5G. It's already produced some of the biggest 5G networks, AI connections. China, in the context of 5G and AI, the convergence of the two underscores scale of the opportunity ahead. Yeah, the opportunity for China. So in Internet technology, we're talking about 
improving how billions of intelligent devices work together, how they're maintained, transforming the industrial process along the way with autonomous vehicles, smart vehicles, smartphones, smart homes. There's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here that as China is acting like pinky in the brain, what are we going to do today, Z? Same thing we do every day, take over the world. But while that's happening, while that's going on, there's opportunities here, windows of opportunity that I believe that what was shown to me was that we could get the crumbs off of the table. We could have a place in the game that while the, the, they're doing what they're doing, there, there are places that we can participate, whether it's a cryptocurrency, whether it's technology, whatever it may be. I don't want to say too much because I don't know who's listening. But the fact is, even if we got the crumbs off the table, you're talking about billions of dollars. You have to decide as it ties all together, as you're going through your coronavirus uh, quarantine, maybe it's time to look at the videos. Maybe it's time to read the book. Maybe it's time to catch up to what the enemy's doing. The biggest problem for the church is we've been behind the curve. The enemy's been out ahead of us because he took the secrets of the throne room and he showed it to his people from day one. But in 1947, this quantum leap took place and we began to see information growing. We began to see paranormal activity and supernatural activity. We began to see people getting involved in the witchcraft and the occult and the new age and all those things. And the church was blind. They had their head in the sands. They still do. They don't like what we do with SRT. They don't like what we talk about. Their eyes glaze over when I tell them I have a picture of a Canaanite god. And the reason I know that because it matches pictures from books from the 1800s and statues from Babylon. I have voices on tape because they're energy. See, that's the other thing about this 5G thing you need to understand. We're all energy beings. I've covered this in my book. I've covered it in the seminars. Our DNA gives off a signature. We were designed to be connected to the throne room. We were designed to be in perpetual communication with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father. And through sin and through the hijacking of the signal, the enemy took it over. But then we were reconnected when we became born again, reconnected through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We are spiritual beings. We're supposed to be naturally supernatural. And in that is this energy and this power that the enemy has stolen. Who do you think is going to benefit from the satellites and the towers? Well, the enemy's been benefiting from wireless technology, Bluetooth, and some of the other things, but there wasn't enough. There was only enough to say a word, show themselves, deceive people visually or... But now they're going to be on technology energy steroids. They're going to have enough energy, I believe, to do what they've begun to do by some of the people that I've been ministering to, to become more terrestrial, to become more corporeal. I think at some point through the mark of the beast and the opening of the pit and some of the things that we can't get into right now, they're going to be physically corporeal, physically terrestrial. Whole nother topic for a whole nother time. But I've laid this all out to you. Don't just look at this all pandemic. It's one little thing. It's a virus. No, it's a multi-layer move by the enemy, both natural, China, and supernatural. Satan and the fallen angels and their demonic offspring. Now, you, oh, Richard, you lost me. You, you put your tinfoil hat on. Sorry, folks. This is the world I live in. This is the world that I offer video and, and audio evidence for. I'm not telling you just what I think. I'm telling you what I experientially know. 
You have to decide what are you going to do. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there with the head in the sand? Which is a really dangerous position because there's a vulnerable part of your body sticking up in the air. Or are you going to pull the head out, shake out the sand, start to wake up? That's what we do here on Overwatch. This is a wake-up call. I hope you're awake. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, go to the bottom of the page, firefalltalkradio.com, or write us. Use the contact button. We'll tell you there are various ways to do it. We appreciate each and every one of you that do. I'm Richard Grund. This has been Overwatch on Firefall Talk Radio. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.